Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Tuesday, October 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today we'll be looking at an unexpected windfall for the UK budget, HSBC's step back into US lending, and what's causing equity investors to be more cautious. Then we'll tell you how many mobile apps are sending your personal data to other companies, and you might not even know it. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. Chancellor Philip Hammond will present the UK budget on October 29th, and the FT reports that the government's Office for Budget Responsibility has some good news for him. In recent weeks, the UK finance minister has worried about funding the National Health Service and social housing improvements. Together, that's all expected to cost £100 billion over the next five years. But now, the FT reports that the OBR underestimated recent personal and corporate tax revenues in its original forecasts. The fiscal watchdog blamed the Office for National Statistics for underestimating the size of the UK economy, and now says the revisions will cut the UK budget deficit by about £13 billion for the 2018-2019 fiscal year. That means it's likely Mr. Hammond won't need to raise taxes right away. The updated forecast would finance NHS commitments until almost the end of the current parliament in 2021-22, but they won't cover the government's commitment to end austerity in the next decade. Some Eurosceptic MPs have threatened to vote against the budget in protest of the Conservative government's Brexit policy. And HSBC is returning to the U.S. consumer lending market. The UK-based banking giant said on Monday that it's launching a digital lending platform for American customers in the first half of 2019. The online expansion will give the bank access to a broader market than it can currently serve with its close to 230 branches in the U.S. HSBC last ventured into U.S. consumer lending in 2003 when it purchased subprime lender Household International. It wrote off $10.6 billion worth of goodwill associated with that deal, before shuttering the business in 2009. I'm Mamtha Badkar, a reporter on Fast FT. Here's what happened in markets yesterday. Despite a rally in Asian markets in overnight trade, investors on Wall Street struck a cautious note. The S&P 500 ended the day 0.4% lower, falling for the fourth consecutive day. That took the S&P 500's month-to-date decline to more than 5%. Tech was the biggest gainer on the benchmark's index yesterday, but its gains were offset by a decline in financials and real estate. Now, tech has had a bruising few weeks, but shares appear to bounce ahead of mega-cap results later this week from the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, Intel, and Alphabet. There's a number of things weighing on investors, and among those are fear of rising interest rates, a slowdown in the global economy, concerns about the trade spat between U.S. and China, geopolitical tensions with Saudi Arabia surrounding the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, and fears about the Italian budget. Corporate earnings and upcoming midterm elections have only added to that uncertainty. And here's something you might want to know more about. If you're a smartphone user, you probably use dozens of apps a day without a thought. But here's something to be aware of. A recent study from Oxford University has revealed that of 1 million apps in Google's Play Store last year, almost 90% were set up to send information back to Google. The study found that the median app could transfer data to 10 third parties with one in five applications able to share data with more than 20. 
Most of us don't know the extent to which our data flow from smartphones to digital advertising groups, data brokers, and intermediaries that buy and sell our information. The FT's Aliyah Ram is here to tell us exactly what's going on with our personal data. So the kinds of data that can be collected by apps on your smartphone range from the details you give an app, which could be things like your age, your gender, your sexuality, perhaps if it's a dating app, to the data that apps request permission to collect, for example, location information. The data that's collected through smartphone apps is transferred to third party host companies. And what are these companies using our data for? Apps transfer data to third parties for many reasons. One reason, for example, is to run analytics tools to figure out why apps are crashing. Another can be to targeted advertisers to help personalize ads for users. The point that the computer scientist who led this research, Ruben Bins, the point that he makes is that once as a user you agree for a developer to transfer your data to third parties, those third parties often reserve the right to transfer the data on and you ultimately lose control over what it might be used for, even if the initial purpose was quite simple. So what's the concern with uh, user data being shared with these third parties? The concern is that because third parties frequently reserve the right to transfer that data on to other third parties, it can end up being used in a way that the user originally didn't consent to, and it can potentially be combined or blended in a way that can lead to some insights that a user might not want. For example, if you've agreed to allow a banking app to transfer data to third parties and they transfer just the mere fact that your particular account uses that app, to a third party that's owned by a company that also collects data from another app, such as a dating app. And it's difficult to know how much this happens, but it might be possible for the same company to know which bank you're with and what your sexuality is and to join those things together to derive insight that you weren't originally agreeing to. And I would imagine a lot of people listening right now are a little concerned about their own private data. So what can users do to protect their data while they're using these apps? Both Google and Apple have rolled out an advertising identifier, which basically means that instead of attaching your data gathered through a smartphone to your personal phone, which your device ID, it can be attached to an advertising ID that you can choose to delete when you want through your phone settings. You can go in and delete your advertising ID, which means that information that was collected last week about you would be attached to a different number than the information that's collected this week. And that sort of helps limit the extent to which a really comprehensive profile can be created of your activities on your phone. Currently, the way that app permissions work, you can't really toggle on and off specific kinds of data collection. You either allow the app to collect your data or you don't use the app. And I think that is something that lawyers and privacy campaigners talk about as something that needs to change if people are really to have more control over how their data is being used through their phones. If you want to know more about where your information is going, our interactive team put together a really useful tool. You can type in an app that you use and you can see exactly which companies could ultimately get the data you share on that app. 
That and more is all at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for all the latest business and politics news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.